<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might have to call Lucy to get home. <laughs> Alrighty, and we're back. Um, this is the second segment of our visit with Jeffrey Ortigo um, for the Secondhand Science Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Zach Schwartzenberg. And I'm also your host, Gunnar Goodwin. And I am your guest host, Jeffrey Very Drunk Ortigo. Yep, yep. We're a few whiskeys deep at this point in the podcast. And that's so. how we start this second segment. If you were with us last week on our first segment, you know that we have mainly talked about space. Well, we're starting to veer towards Earth now. Uh, but we're still off the rails here, so <laughs> there's no time where we'll end up by the end of this. <laughs> yeah, let's let's try to get back on track, I guess. Um, uh, I believe we ended last episode with talking about the 5G and the pros and cons of like advancing technology and what can come. And of course, nowadays, especially where we're at now, where whether it be political or just the societal view on things climate change has become a big factor in everything it, 5g artificial intelligence automated cars ev- everything now is very veered towards what is going to happen with climate change yeah let's you, you mentioned artificial intelligence let's hop on that for a second here uh i yeah, mean that's, that's a, another thing we could talk about all day long um yeah. which there, the thing with artificial intelligence is there's such a broad range of it because artificial intelligence, I'm if any of y'all listening to this actually know me, y'all know I'm a huge pro Tesla fan. I love my dream car besides an that Audi. Truck? Yeah, <laughs> Do you that? like that truck? Okay, actually, I'll talk about it. That <laughs> okay. truck... That truck has been talked bad about a lot, the new Tesla Cybertruck. I think... It would be one of the most fun apocalyptic looking toys Absolutely. ever. Yeah. If I had the money, it would never be an everyday driver, but just in terms of Tesla and just such an interesting I mean, we we're talking like it looks like post apocalyptic world. Right. But an electric badass. Probably truck. where the future's headed anyway is more polygraphic shapes. Right. Mm-hmm. Well well about the shape and, low poly count. That's literally the only thing I'm referring to because it looks ugly. But uh, I've watched a YouTube video about how they literally had to design it like that mm-hmm. because every other truck on the market, you look at the Sierra, the Silverado, and the Ford F-150. That's like the main three trucks mm-hmm. that people buy, and they all look the exact same. So Pretty Elon much. and his boys were like, we're going to do something completely different and like completely subvert the entire market around trucks and build something new. Yeah. Ooh, my degree is about to come into, come into play here for a quick second. <laughs> so another reason, material science. He's using mm-hmm. 30 times, what, pressed steel or whatever? Yeah. And basically the the yield strength and all that of that if you would cold press it to where it'd be bent into a a non low yeah. polygraphic count shape right bunch of fun words yeah, yeah. curved if i'm wrong just here, say curved gunner if i'm wrong <laughs> if i'm wrong here just call me out like it's it's fine this is secondhand science you have to say <laughs> we're coming off of what we have what we have learned here to mm-hmm. teach you this is secondhand science okay right. If yeah. you're smarter than we are, just call us out. We'll, we'll I doubt you are, but we'll like admit defeat. But yeah, <laughs> in the in the rare occasion that'll happen. <laughs> but basically, the material that that truck is made out of is such a strong material that if you would bend it to the point of yield, then it basically 
it basically would ruin the whole point of using the material, which is why it has such sharp edges mm-hmm. and is so, you know, triangular. Yeah. yeah. Square bob. It's it's such a strong material. And again, material science, I didn't pay very much attention <laughs> in class. Yeah. But the the stronger that materials are, the the more rigid they are, the less, yeah. I guess, uh, Flexible, pliable, pliable, yeah, whatever the word is, breakable, uh, malleable, malleable. Think about a rubber. You think about a rubber band. It's a good science. Rubber band's a pretty weak material, but you can, you know, you can bend it, stretch it, whatever way you want. Right. Mm -hmm. The harder the material, the stronger it is, the less you can bend it. That's why it looks like aluminum is like such a, I guess, like such a top tier metal for a lot of things because it's like it's like the perfect medium, I guess. Yeah. Of strength and like, uh. Malleability, whatever. Yeah. Malleability, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. almost sounds like a word. It looks so like the Batmobile, so I mean it, it is uh, it is yeah. it's an interesting concept. I mean people, over two hundred thousand people have already pledged to buy it, so mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like it's off of a uh, Fury Road, Mad Max. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. badass. Yeah. But it, like I said, in my idea, that's a fun toy to have. Right. It's also Got the single, the dual, and the tri-engines. So we're talking about very big jumps in automotive. If you plan on taking this thing more than outside of your city, just go with the top tier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 300 miles. I mean, I guess if you're going like... Like two cities over, or whatever isn't go with the Tri-state top tier area. Go with the top <laughs> tier. Get your five hundred miles. You can make a round trip to you know this the next state over. You can go from Houston to New Orleans and back. No, if you're going through Texas, miles. Forget about it. But yeah, if you're going, if you're going yeah. through Texas, you're stopping at a Tesla power up station. Right. Yeah. I I watched most of the conference, the like press conference, the release, whatever. Whenever he uh, demonstrated um, it. Yeah, the demonstration mm-hmm. for the Cybertruck. Is it supposed to have the same, um, what's it called, automated driving technology as the other Tesla? I mean, it's an add-on, as with all their other cars. You have to pay like an extra, what, 7,000 to have it put in? Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's an option for all of them. And what's cool about the Teslas too, I mean, we're all fanboys here for sure. Mm -hmm. They uh, like update the software on it. Like it's an iOS update. Like Elon's constantly tweeting about how like, Oh, they'll wake up the next morning and have ballerina mode on their automatically through plug in through just the, their wireless network, which is also a big, um, not uh, criticism. That's why a critique of Tesla is a lot of people think, He's trying to do too much too quick. The fact that they're having to do software updates and patches. But all it is is it's little mini bugs. There's been very few issues with actual Tesla. There's been very few. You might see one or two stories where they say uh, self-driving harmed someone or got in a wreck. And it's but usually the driver's fault too. It usually is either the driver or the person that was hit. It was something abor- uh, not abhorrent. Um, What's the word? Crazy random. Um, There's a word that I'm thinking of that hopefully you know, but it's uh, the erratic behavior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Came back to me. (laughs) But the erratic behavior of other humans is the human error of it. In these vehicles, they all have to learn. In normal vehicles, I mean, I've had multiple of my vehicles recalled for different things, whether it's an airbag, which is literally the biggest life-saving device in the vehicle i've had recalled for manufacturer defects so when people try and criticize tesla for terms of that 
I think that part of the not quite artificial intelligence, but the advancement of technology. I think that could be very yeah. beneficial for us. And I don't know if Jeffrey was here. I was talking to my grandma on the phone earlier. I don't know if you were here for this part, but I was talking about self-driving cars. Mm-mm. I was literally telling her, I was like, yeah, the thing about like self-driving cars, like a bunch of people were scared. They're like, but that's computers. Like, what if they, blah, blah. But the thing is, is like the two biggest things that humans get in accidents over is losing focus because they're on their their smartphone or whatever you know whatever and then intoxicated driving computers don't lose focus they have one task they Mm -hmm. don't get drunk you know so like the two biggest factors are already ruled out there that's like they were saying earlier it's kind of you know it's either another driver's fault or like a freak accident yeah absolutely fully automated vehicles it's the way it goes the future i'm a fan of that but there's there's also Speaking of the fully automated and the artificial intelligence of how they were doomed, they learn. <laughs> well, that's how the vehicles work is they almost learn as they go. And that's kind of what the patches are for and the updates. They're not they're not fully sentient beings or anything crazy like that. Whenever you say AI or artificial right. intelligence, they still follow their lead. programming. So but there is that there's that line where you get from uh when does artificial intelligence maybe hit a negative, maybe go to a point of no return? And where we're at nowadays, it's starting to get to the point to where we're not far away from artificial intelligence being an actual viable thing. It's definitely going to take over a lot of different professions. And the more I read about it, mm-hmm. the more I see like it's not just going to be your low-skill labors. It's going to be even even certain types of engineers, certain types of doctors oh, are going to yeah. be, you know, a good mm-hmm. chunk of that, that industry is going to be penetrated by artificial intelligence. Now, of course, there's still going to be needs for all these, you know, people who, who go and they do residencies, they learn, they get their degrees, they get oh, masters. Yeah. yeah. They're still going to need those to make the moral decisions mm-hmm. on a lot of these topics. But yeah, it's going to penetrate those industries big time. And absolutely. I guess a good a good way to kind of to kind of hop into the artificial intelligence uh, topic is so one of my electives that I took was the engineering profession and one of the one of the I guess tasks we were getting it was basically a BS class they didn't <laughs> it was like invented like the semester before us and they're like we're still they're like we're still trying to figure out what this class is yeah so they just wanted to make you take yeah uh, so they needed more credits to kind of fill it out let me let me actually look it up while i'm explaining it Mm. there is a um there's like a engineering challenges let me let me give me one second (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's talking about that. I think something he might be getting towards. And one thing I remember learning from um, an intro to engineering class I took my freshman year was right off the bat, one of my professors told us engineering through the courses you learn. And engineering's looked at as one of the harder professions, not the hardest by any means, but one of the harder ones. It's difficult. It is one of my professors told us straight up. It is almost replaceable. And this is back in 2015, my freshman year. He said it's almost replaceable because by now, all the hard parts done, all the most computations are already figured out. Most things are done through algorithms. So even engineers nowadays kind of 
they plug things in and then they get answers, which can all be simplified and done through computers and through artificial intelligence. And that's actually a huge point of what I was about to talk about. So if you get bored, look up the 14 grand challenges for engineering. It is extremely fascinating and you can read on each different topic for hours. It's insane. But one of our tasks in this elective class that I had was we each, which there was like, I guess, 30 something people in the class. So every, I guess like every topic had like two or three people assigned to it. This isn't the same as the 14 grand challenges in global health, is it? I don't, I don't things? think so. Cause this, okay. this only I've a couple of these deal with health. Okay. It may be the same, but only a couple of them deal with health. But so the one that I ended up getting stuck with was reverse engineering the brain, which initially I looked at and I was like, I really have to research this topic and write a paper on this. Like this, this blows, this is going to be awful. But I mean, first of all, I was an elective, so it wasn't that serious. (laughs) Yeah. But second of all, I was so glad I got this topic because it was super interesting. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, is if you can reverse engineer the brain, which if you listen to segment one with Jeffrey, we were talking about how, how complex the brain is and how difficult it is. If you can reverse engineer the brain, then first of all, like computers, many computers are modeled after the brain. If you can reverse engineer the brain, you can have multiple, like, so the brain has multiple electrons firing off neurons, I guess, rather firing off at different directions, you know, whatever, communicating with multiple different parts of the brain constantly. That's kind of the same concept as how computers have, Mm-hmm. Uh man, how do I even word this correctly? You've got the way that like your RAM and uh just processors. Yeah, hey, the way everything it's processes. hard it's hard to explain, but yeah. you're you're so you you've got cores on your computer, right? The way that your brain works is like hundreds of thousands of cores or millions maybe, like all working at the same time. So if you could reverse engineer the brain, you could model a computer directly after the brain where you could interconnect like every different electrical signal to work together at the same time. Mm-hmm. And basically, you, you artificial intelligence, we'd literally be doomed if you're looking at it in a negative way because yeah. then basically computers could operate like a human because it would operate like that where you'd have your different areas. Mm-hmm. There is one thing though I always... And I, I don't know why it's never really brought up, but when people bring up artificial intelligence and like you just said, like if you want to look at it in a negative way, once they get to a certain level, we may be doomed. <laughs> but to me, we're thinking of we're it doomed. from the eyes of a uh, human. Like a milit- oh, Humans okay. tend, no, like human nature tends to look, we're always aggressive. We're always on the defense. We're always attacking ever since we were very basic organisms. Right. All, all we families. do is survive. Right. When you think of it in terms of creating pretty much a utopian being, if you're looking at it as like create artificial intelligence, just base, you want it to be able to learn everything, you want it to be as smart as possible and just do good. To me, I never see why the doom comes in, why the danger comes in, why people are scared. To me, I can only see it as improving life. We're well, literally talking about improving hyper hyper intelligent super computers that are able to actually function and learn along with us which yes there is a tendency to think the negative and i'm not saying we're gonna be safe there is a very good chance we could all be dead in like 50 years from robots but it is i think good it's to the, look at it in the positive light as well there's going to be a lot of positive that can come from 
any kind of I want to I want to get back to to what I was saying before we get to that mm-hmm. but a quick answer to that is basically one day somebody's going to program a computer to try to reverse engineer climate change and all the damage that we've that we're doing in today's world whether it be to to have peace or mm-hmm. to to end you know all harm we're doing to the planet, and then computers are gonna be like, oh look, the number one source of all this harm is humans, and yeah. then that's where right. we're gonna be like, yep, well, we're screwed. it's the fear of the unknown, but yeah. that's never been done before. Yeah, but before we before we dive into that, before we get yeah, too far I have off more topic, on that. Yeah. I just want to hop back to the reverse engineering of the brain. Mm-hmm. Basically, computers could be used for an un unimaginable number of things if we could reverse engineer the brain the brain because we could the brain uh man i can't even remember the numbers you'd have to do a little bit of research on your own but the brain is so powerful <laughs> we'll give you all some homework, homework. Yeah. Yeah. yes the brain is so powerful that it can just process so much information at once I, i'm not yeah, even gonna we, spit out numbers at yeah, you we don't but, even we're not even scratching the surface of what uh, how to understand how the brain works yeah. or functions and the way neurons interact in minuscule minute levels yeah. that we can't even physically see and like i said it was it was just a small little like one week assi- like this week this is your assignment for this elective class so it wasn't oh, okay. a it wasn't a big task but in my research i was finding that they were saying how the brain is so powerful if you could if you could model computers to operate cuz the brain is pretty much all electrical just like computers if if you can model a computer after the brain and ha- brain 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 and have the same neural networks like the same electrical networks in a computer as your brain, you could basically have a computer diagnosing what your diseases are like in an instant. You know, figuring out these complex problems, it would be practically unlimited computing power, and that's mm-hmm. kind of kind of what they're getting into with like quantum computing which i don't know the first thing about but yep. Ima- just unreal unreal mm-hmm. look it up look up the yep. 14 grand challenges for engineering read about all of them it's incredibly fascinating mm-hmm. i actually see i was i was literally about to bring this up talking about uh reverse engineering the brain and ai and i just noticed on the website he's talking about the 14 challenges right under is engineer better medicine medicines and actually what i was going to say is one of the first things i think of which i feel is never talked about enough with ai if we're able to reverse engineer certain ai and certain like supercomputers hyper intelligent uh electronics whatever you want to call it how quickly imagine if we were able to use i know okay this is obviously a myth and hopefully y'all should know this by now but we only use 10 percent of our brain that's false it's absolutely 100 percent completely yeah. false it's that's something that people to tweet to get to get clout and it's yeah. false it's not true yeah it, it sounds like one of those things where people are just trying to make it seem like oh look how stupid we are but that's not the truth but we don't use it to the full capability we use almost 100 percent of the areas of our brain but they're not always firing they're not always something right because always yeah. human it's humanly impossible our brain does take energy our brain does do all that so if right. our brain processed at 100% capability at 100% regions it would burn so many calories and take up so many so much energy we wouldn't be able to to stand up you wouldn't even be able to function you would have to constantly be fed so with ai that is cut out completely 
if we can create an AI that can function even 75% of that, we're talking about something that doesn't have to eat. It doesn't have to stop and breathe or think or have to worry about bills being due or rent or anything. It has no worries besides whatever function we're or not we, but someone smarter than us is programming it to do or whatever. And to me, that always goes to imagine how quick cancer might be cured. Imagine how quick we might be able to deal with simple little things that are wrong with humans, whether it be like any kind of psychological problem or anything. Once you create something that can function at such high capacity, to be able to put it all full power into one subject especially as medicine being who we are that is a very incredible thing that can happen again that's not to say it's all positive there will be negatives and there can be but that's a huge positive to think of that i feel like is never brought up and not to hop too off topic this is kind of revisiting a topic we've already we've already spoke about this episode but just in in general humans if humans don't have to think about like if we have self-driving cars humans aren't going to have to think about you know the little trivial day-to-day things like focusing on the road uh you know braking stopping you have a car that drives itself Mm -hmm. you can spend your time working on a portfolio or working on something you have to finish for work reading a book on your way to work you can like that's one of the biggest arguments, at least from like scientists for for self-driving vehicles, is mm-hmm. you free up so much time. And that's another yeah, thing, just, just with automation in any other industry. You free up so much time for things that matter more. Jobs yes, will see, always exactly. jobs will always appear in different you know, you say say you get rid of fossil fuels, which we'll get into that a second in a second with renewable yeah. energy and climate change and all that all that crap. But you have people who are, you know, working at all these different power plants and stuff. Oh, well, if if solar energy and hydroelectric and wind, all this takes over, what are all of our operators and all this going to do? Well, you're going to do the same thing, but for a different electrical company, you know, there's still going to be maintenance jobs. There's still going to be these all these jobs. Yeah, and that's actually... Uh, we're not. I'm not going to get too deep into the political aspect of it, but there's right. a politician. That's, that's the biggest thing is people are afraid that it's going to take their jobs. Every, that's everybody, the biggest political thing. Everybody nowadays in 2020, and don't worry, I'll get back to my point, but everyone nowadays in 2019, about to be 2020, everything is so politically charged, and they hear these things, and they hear us talking AI or climate change or whatever, and they might assume one way or another depending on how we're talking. But that's not how science works. Science isn't political. Science is facts. Science is facts and figures that you can look at and you can extrapolate with data from other sets and everything. And you can see where this goes. And all I was going to uh, bring up, um, like uh, our, like uh, the co-host Triple G Gunner just brought up, by all this automation, it does run some jobs out of town, essentially. It does make some jobs obsolete. And there is a one politician that is bringing it up constantly, uh, Andrew Yang. He brings oh, up how yeah. that might lead. He thinks it's going to lead into universal basic income. I'm not talking about that, so don't worry. You can loosen yeah. your buttholes. <laughs> I'm not getting political. But what he brings up is that aspect of having the jobs automated will let us, if we can find a way of comfort or a way to at least still make money, it does increase the increase the creativity of a human. If you're able to take away the worry of 
oh, every single day I have to go, I have to go be a plumber. Every day I have to become an electrician. Every day I have to do this Work one job office. or whatever. It gives you a little freedom. And even if the automation doesn't cut your job completely out, but maybe makes it a little easier on you, just imagine what the professionals and the incredible minds in your field, whether it be you or someone else, imagine the creativity and the free bandwidth you'll have in your brain to yeah. go somewhere after that. To Maybe you're an electrician and all day you're going to houses, changing, doing little things that could be automated. Once it gets automated, you have that free yeah. time to look back and be like, oh, this might be more efficient or I, maybe I can do this or what if someone designed this or... And I know these are all vague things because I don't know anything about electricians. I probably shouldn't chose that profession. But I'm just saying, like, it does open up different avenues. And the whole reason I brought that up is I just want to make sure everybody understands that every single thing has pros, cons, black, white, and the gray area in between. So there's always, like, even with AI, there's all these good things. There's all these bad things. There's all this gray area. But it's not all one way. The reason I pretty much even brought up the whole jobs and artificial intelligence mm-hmm. topic was because I was thinking about, and if you read the book by Bill Nye, which it's it's a good book, it's more or less focused on your way of thinking about things, mm-hmm. but it's... Do you remember the name of it? I can, everything All at Once. That's, that's the name it. of the book, mm-hmm. yeah. And in that book, he talks about how back in the day, whenever his dad was young, and I think it was maybe, maybe it was his grandpa. I don't know, but basically, whenever everybody was taking horse carriages around, yeah, and then cars started coming around, and they're like, "Oh, these cars! They're you know, cars are gonna take our jobs." But literally, that made more jobs because you had to, you know, then you had to start building these cars. You had to start yeah. teaching people how to drive. You, yeah, you had to start doing maintenance on these cars, filling them up, which I know obviously artificial intelligence will take over a lot of those things. Yeah, but, but we're not saying the exact same job, but like along there's those always going to be those, new jobs. Those people didn't realize those jobs, jobs were going to exist. Think about yet. Mm-hmm, exactly. There's new jobs left and right. I mean, all the jobs we do nowadays, I mean, imagine going back in time a hundred years or farther and being like, Oh yeah, I'm a environmental engineer. I work on water purification processes for drilling wells and blah blah blah. They would look at you like you're crazy. They're like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, that's not a job." Right. We have people that work at the water. Like they work right. over there at the water pollution plant, but all they do is drop chlorine in it. Like they don't. There wasn't these jobs back then, and so we don't know what will come from it. And yeah, it's scary to think, Oh, we might not have this field, but just imagine, was it always your dream to become an electrician? Even when you were a kid? Exactly. Yeah. Was it always your dream to do that? Or was it just the money, a little more viable, a right. little easier to do. And guess what? You make money after not much work into it. Right. One of the biggest things too. one of the coolest things on the topic of Elon and all them, um, he was saying how, a, if we have not necessarily just AI, but like a single track network, um, like say you're, you have 18 wheelers that are transporting goods. If they're all stacked in a line on one lane of the highway, like if they're all in one track controlled by an AI system, like a computer system, then it will be so much more efficient because yeah. of the draft created. Whereas yeah, now the you have first trucks going to reduce the drag. Right. Right, so everything will be moving so much more efficiently. 
And and so that would help with climate change. That would help with just efficiency, like fuel efficiency. That would help with transportation of goods. Like there's there's health benefits. There's economical benefits. I mean, it's all across the board. Yeah. Okay, so I guess we're we're gonna segue into climate change here. <laughs> you brought it up. One of my biggest pet peeves before we start getting into the facts, mm-hmm. which I guess this is kind of the facts right here, is how so many people will deny that it's climate, cold outside. That climate change is a thing. Here's the thing. So I think another thing too is also people are still stuck on global warming. Which global not, warming right. is still a thing, but people just don't understand the concept. Yeah, they're like, oh, it snowed yesterday, and yeah. Alaska. What's the global average is what they're talking about. And we're not and and here's what's up for debate right here is whether or not our actions is what is causing that. Mm -hmm. Global warming is a thing. It's happening. Climate change is a thing. It's happening. There's no denying that. It's literally you can look at the data. If you deny that you just you need to reevaluate your whole entire view. That's it's stupid. I don't yes. want to call you stupid, but you're stupid. Okay, <laughs> the, that's the thing: is climate change is a thing, and they're uninformed. It, it, that's a, <laughs> and although the evidence points strongly in the direction that humans are causing this with what we're mm-hmm. doing today, that's what's the controversial thing. Yeah, that's you know to some may be more controversial than other. And again, like I said earlier, we're not political, so y'all don't worry. I know everybody tightens up when they hear this, but we're just saying like. Just stats and figures. Global warming. I know that's the one I just said that kind of had the detriment to it, but it is true. If you look up the global temperature averages, it has been increasing exponentially yeah. since uh, what the eighteen hundreds. It's or never something like that. increased it's been, at this rate no. ever. And that's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up because there is a very cyclical nature to the world's climate. There's a very you can look back and there's really cool studies done with like ice cores from the Antarctic where they can cut out ice cores deep down and they can tell when that time was. And what happens is when the ice is formed, obviously it's frozen water, but within that water is particles of air. In that right. air, they can test the content then and see the carbon dioxide concentrations, right. the what was concentration the of at that anything. Time. Right. And so they can see that it is obviously – it is cyclical to an extent, but never in the four point whatever billion years of this earth. Well, okay, for ice cores, I think they can track back up to close to a billion years ago. If you look back in the whole history of the world, it has never increased at this rate. And so that's where we're talking the controversy might come in on is it human made? Is it man made? global warming or climate change because climate is changing in very different Always. drastic ways right right and here's the thing the climate changed when the asteroid hit yeah. for the dinosaurs or whatever you know oh, like, yeah yeah it, caused, it created changing. the ice age whenever that meteor struck the yucatan peninsula and threw up all those particles in the air created a greenhouse effect beyond anything we've seen yet and that's I'm saying yet because something may happen. Who knows? But <laughs> right. it's very sketchy. But that greenhouse effect created a new ice age, brought on an ice age for thousands of years. I mean, we're talking about sheets of ice a mile thick above the U.S. Colorado, all these other places, they weren't snowed on. They were under a mile of ice. So it is yeah. 
climate isn't a very static thing. It can change under certain events, and it just so happens. Yeah. According to the graphs, it looks like a slow, steady increase. Looking at that the data, started with the industrial revolution. Yeah, looking at the data here, just from from 1880 to about 1980. Or yeah, just about then it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a, a couple industrial of revolution. There's a couple of small. Well, I guess that was after the industrial revolution. Yeah. The, the industrial revolution was whenever like coal and all that. That was more in the 1800s, but I guess it was extremely amplified as we got into the 1900s. And oh, I thought you said the 1800s first. Sorry, y'all. Yeah. Like I said, whiskey. Yeah. From <laughs> so almost for a whole century, from from 1880 to about 19. Uh, I mean, it it raised about 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2 uh, degrees Celsius mm-hmm. over that century. Now, since 1980 to now, 2020, it's raised a whole entire degree Celsius. So you're talking going from 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2 degrees Celsius over last century mm-hmm. to a whole degree Celsius this century. And if you're not familiar with the reason why winds and ocean currents and hurricanes and tornadoes and all that happens whenever temperatures change around the world it heats up air whenever air heats up the particles obviously moving faster think think back to your science book in fourth grade whenever you saw the pictures of the particles think about heating up water you remember how all the particles were drawn and then once you heat it up become steam and they start flying off it's going to cause higher pressure and obviously, everything moves from high to low. Whether mm. it's a balloon, higher pressure inside the balloon, blowing air out. Whether it's your temperature inside your house, you have, you know, obviously have a heater. It's going to heat up the cold air, whatever. Yada, yada. Things move from high concentration mm-hmm. to low concentration. That's what's going to cause, you're going to have warmer areas of the ocean moving and into colder areas. That's how currents happen. That's how, and that all affects weather. And that's, and that's why. the reason why it's so mm-hmm. chaotic these days, because yeah. it's not as stable. It's higher and lower temperatures. That's why we're seeing certain areas of the nation having extremely low temperatures and certain areas having way higher than usual. It's yeah. just completely chaotic. Yeah, that's why before, I mean, when we're talking just even 20, 30 years ago, there was a Category 5 hurricane. And I bring this up because obviously being... This podcast is originates South Louisiana. Hopefully, there's listeners all the, over the world listening to this. But, of course, of course. Yeah, absolutely. But over here for hurricanes, 30 years ago, of Category 5 happened every so often. I mean, we're talking maybe once every decade, decade and right. they wouldn't make landfall all that Not often. Not even that often. Like but maybe talking, once every 40 or 50 years. Mm-hmm, they would barely make landfall. They would normally stay in the ocean because that's usually the conditions that would allow a hurricane to thrive the most. Now we're seeing superstorms. We're seeing they're talking about creating a category six for hurricanes. We've had like four major maxed out major wildfires this year. Wildfires as well. I mean unreal. And and one of the main things too is people say, okay, like last year or two years ago Last year or two years ago, we had snow in Louisiana, and everybody was like, oh, but global warming. The reason why it's snowing in Louisiana is because of the heat in the Pacific Ocean. All the There's more evaporation, which gets pulled over the West Coast and into, like, over where there's higher altitude, which yes. makes it turn into snow. Yes. And then the snow all comes down to here because there's more evaporation mm-hmm. in the Pacific Ocean. 
Yeah. Like, that's why it's snowy yeah. here. That, he, that It's not natural for Louisiana were, to have yeah. snow. <laughs> it's not. It, not at all. When's the last time we had snow before any of us were born? Ask your parents the last time it snowed yeah. in Louisiana. Like, They'd be like, um, I don't know, 20 billion years ago. Right, <laughs> like, right. It's ridiculous. It just, it's not a And very we didn't get a current. little bit of snow last year. We yeah, got we like, a, I'm like talking. Six inches, I think. Dude, it, it lasted for like three days. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um. We did just briefly touch on wildfires, and I just want to bring this up just to prove, like, this isn't just, oh, it's getting hotter outside, or, oh, it's going to get colder. Like, the the extremes are going to get more extreme. The temperatures, whenever it's cold, it's going to get freezing, and whenever it's hot, it's going to get boiling. But he brought a, um, our good, uh, gracious co-host, Zach Schwarzenberg over here, brought up the wildfires and how crazy they were. Or actually, wait, did Gunner bring that? Gunner. Sorry, I just said Zach <laughs> was, and Roz. That was I mean, Gunner said talking. that. Again, the whiskey made that choice for me. Yeah. But one of these co-hosts. We're one in the same. <laughs> no, they are. brought up wildfires. And if you are, hopefully you are listening to this somewhat soon. And y'all, will, y'all might still remember the story or it should still be in the news koalas are now functionally extinct yeah actually 80 percent of the population was decimated in australia they're not extinct extinct they're functionally extinct there are very big differences which but it is not all day long i'm reading clickbait articles that might be like false but i read one today that was saying that they aren't functionally extinct but they are on like they're very in danger of being That's what functionally, functionally extinct means. They're functionally extinct because the rate at which they're dying is going to lead to extinction very soon. So they're not I- extinct. They're technically which endangered. But my comment the is kind of irrelevant because, <laughs> because I mean, you can look at you can look at coral reefs right now, mm-hmm. and just because of how hot the oceans are getting, like they're the pH too. It's, they're it's dying like off at alarming, and. I mean, I don't want to get too hippy dippy here, <laughs> but it. if you think about just like the circle of life in general and how every single species basically functions off of one another, you can't really afford to lose one. Much less like there's hundreds of endangered species right now. You can't really afford to lose those species or have them even drop in numbers because it completely throws off everything else going on in the circle of life. And I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to be hippy dippy here. Oh, no, 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 we know. It's it's like it's a legitimate thing. You know, the, the coral reef starts screwing up, it's gonna affect I mean, the amount yeah. of it's gonna be the great coral reef is declared dead. There yes. are living parts, but it's essentially dead. It's gonna is, affect the amount of smaller fish, which is gonna affect the amount of, you know, sharks or whatever and the yeah. amount of whales, which is gonna affect the amount of it, exactly. it just goes so on. It's it's yeah. a chain reaction. People always hear like, Oh, so coral reefs, like I won't be able to see them like it's more than that. Even though you don't physically see it, what happens is, like he just said, coral reefs die. All the things that lived within the coral reefs start dying off. They start losing. Then next thing you know, it moves up the food chain, and we're losing wells, and we're losing all that. And I know that doesn't sound like much, like, oh, whatever, I don't eat fish that often. You're talking about a mass die-off. You're talking about, since I want to. I wish I could remember the numbers, but... The amount of species that have gone extinct since the human lifetime rivals that of most mass extinction periods. I mean, we're talking, there's been five great mass extinctions within the history of the Earth. Of course, humans weren't around for any of them, or we wouldn't be here. But the most recent one was, however, God, I was about to say the number, uh, 35 million years ago, whenever the dinosaurs died. That was 65. I knew 35, 70. But 65 million years ago. Right. 
that wasn't that long into the right. scale of the earth. And right. that was a big mass extinction. And now we're rivaling that number just due to the, the change in climate. We're, we're rivaling that number just based on most likely, I'm not going to say for sure because I'm not that smart. I'm not that big of a scientist, but <laughs> most likely humans are responsible for a chunk of it. I mean, it's it's just one of those things that we have to, at some point, take at least some responsibility. And we were mentioning it earlier before the podcast, before this section started up. But um, a lot of people want to say, do every little thing you can. And then people were like, oh, yeah, so not using a straw isn't going to affect. Like, these plastic straws aren't doing anything. And, yeah, your one plastic straw might not have that big of an effect. Mm-hmm. But plastics as a whole... I'm not big on the whole plastic straw. I don't own a metal straw. I just don't really use straws, period. I don't care about drinking out of a cup. But what comes from that is it just shows you the scale of our human consumption in terms of plastic, the way it can affect certain living organisms. And it was very sad to see all this started from that video of that turtle for plastics. But plastics definitely needs to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah. And... In a second, I want to get into like the root causes of, of climate change. But I guess while we're on plastics, I'll talk about what I really want to talk about. Which this is like a soundbite, just kind of <laughs> just kind of tangent. Not even like a proven thing. This is just something I was reading about the other day. Is how they were saying that the sun actually, because it's getting so hot, and I guess this is one, which don't let this distract you from... Climate change is definitely a very important issue, but I guess one good thing about it getting hotter is it's it's helping these plastics break down quicker. Which, if you're if you know how plastics are made, they're made from like petroleum and natural gases and crude yeah, oil, fossil fuels, lots yeah. of carbon. So it's releasing it's, lots of carbon back into the which bacteria. You know, yeah. bacteria is going to absorb. It's going to help. But you also got to realize all the other chemicals that go into making plastic. So those right. these are also getting released back into the ocean. But the sun is, which they found in lots of studies recently, is helping break down plastics, which is also helping release more carbon, which bacteria or or uh, algae, I guess rather, yeah, is you know consuming and helping turn back into oxygen. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, there are many many byproducts in plastic. Yeah, a lot. The BPAs, BPBs, all those different BPs. But, um, yeah, that, if anything... Those all stand that, for cancer. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Um, if anything, that fact should also accentuate how dangerous that is. We're talking about the average piece of plastic has a half-life, which is a decomposition rate of, we guess, 500 years. We don't know. The very first pieces of plastics that were ever made in human existence still exist to this day. They haven't broken down. They haven't gone away. They're somewhere in the ocean. They're somewhere in landfills. We've never seen a piece of plastic completely decompose into not existing. For example, the human body half-life, like the biological half-life, I'm talking about like after death, you lay a body on the ground, let it decompose. It's gone within weeks, months, whatever, depending on the environment. Plastic will thrive through anything thousands, for what they believe thousands. a minimum of 500 years, yeah. but most likely into the thousands. There, there's some that will last the, millions. Yeah, and the Styrenes. fact that it's getting so hot that the sun is breaking it down quicker doesn't really sound very good for the human body. 
with that kind of fact. So it's just one of those things that shows both sides of it again. I mean, that is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's unfortunate, too, because much of everything that we use today is based off of plastic. Plastic. Yeah, And, and you need fossil fuels, mostly, besides, re, you know, recyclable plastics and then, well... Really, I don't even I don't even think you can make plastics from corn. I think you can just make fuel from corn, huh? Yeah, just yeah. ethanol. Yeah, that's the thing with plastics. It's one of those things. It's so once fossil fuels are out, mm. we're kind of screwed on the whole plastics. And, and yeah. they're an incredible material. They are. They're very very functional. We they're very them. efficient for certain things. I mean, they're used in literally wherever you are. Look around right now, and I. I'll give I will Venmo you a hundred dollars if there's no plastic around you. Yeah, I mean it's in your phone, it's in your watches, it's in every single thing, it's everywhere. So it's one of those things. It's you can't get around. You can't just tell humans, hey, no more plastics. Yeah, right. and so that's what another people here. They're like, oh, you want me to stop using plastics? Good luck. Like right. I'll rather it's, the earth die. It's right. Like, it's the it's, fuel. That, it's a yeah. It's a the big emissions. reason why we should try to switch to more electric vehicles and more solar power because coal is one of the you know, lar- coal and natural gas are the two largest things. I guess nuclear might be up there with it. That are that are yeah. where we're generating our energy from. Yeah. The thing is, is we don't need to be. We can be saving that fuel to make plastics, which unfortunately does pollute the earth. But it's necessary. We, mm-hmm. the way that you know our lifestyles are now, we need plastic. We need this fuel to make these necessary silicones. You yeah. know, different types of plastics for our everyday devices. We need our fuel for that. It's within the next 50 or 60 years, we're supposed to run out of natural gas and oil, and then coal's supposed to last like another 100 years or whatever. Yeah. We're, Which, we we need to be, re, you know, reserving as much of that, as much as these natural, you know, fossil fuels as we can. That's, yeah. Using them for what they're necessary for, and that's why we need to be preserved. I mean, of course, climate change, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but the bigger issue here is there's a lot of things... and medicines a lot of medicines are carbon based that we're making from yeah recycled fuels you know exactly look into it a little bit you'll see that a lot of things you never expect to be made from crude oil yeah being made from crude yeah oil. we're talking about dead dinosaurs are responsible for just about every single thing we use i mean the fuel that it, and that's still the craziest part that obviously i hope y'all all know but oil crude oil comes from the decomposed matter from well, we always say dinosaurs because it's easy, but any living organism. I was about to say mostly trees. Yeah, too, yeah I was so. about to say it's actually usually most of the oil concentrations come from old forces that have yeah. died and decomposed Vegetation. and all that, and that's where crude oil comes from. But that's another thing, just like Gunnar brought up, is um we we need to save the fuels for what we need it for. I'm not saying we don't need to ever use fuels, but wouldn't it be smarter and just also in terms of business, because that is the way this country and the whole world works, is business, money, profit first. Everyone looks for the short term as opposed to the long term. But if we could find a way to make the short term profitable and renewable right? while also showing them in the long term, it will be even more beneficial saying, hey, if we could find a way to make renewable resources easily attainable and cheaper to do and all that if profitable yeah if we could have people invest into solar the way they invest into oil but we still need oil i don't want to take that away by no means it's not like no more oil keep the oil reserves but what for other things while we can use renewable i mean like we were saying earlier with tesla 
Right. Renewable energy can be used for vehicles. It can be used to power plants or houses or electricity and all that. We can find ways. I mean, he brought up there's solar, there's there's uh, wind turbines, which is solar big. <laughs> there, yeah, and please listen to the solar episode before yeah. this. They they crushed out this park. They hit every point <laughs> I was talking about. Yeah. And then and then one of the renewable resources I enjoy the most to talk about is nuclear because it is very scary to yeah. a normal person when you say nuclear, but it is so statistically so clean. the cleanest yeah. and one of the most safest. And if we can if we can figure out fusion because mm-hmm. we got fission pretty much, you know, down packed. Yeah. If we can figure out fusion. Yeah, nuclear fusion. That, there's unreal for, energy being uh, released. Those of that. you that don't know, nuclear fission is um wait, is fission in the sun? No, fission is what we can do. Nuclear right. fission is breaking down decomposing uh, nuclear particles, blah blah Which blah. I don't a know ton too much of energy of, being released. It, it releases incredible amounts of energy and that's what nuclear plants run on. But nuclear fusion is the combination, and that's of, chaotic. It's yeah, not it's stable. very state unstable, and that is what powers the sun. Right. The sun, all that all heat, all that pressure. energy. You're right. talking about the biggest source of energy, and that's why visible to us, millions of miles away, we can still harness energy from it. Yeah. Next time it's the middle of the summer and you're cooking at 110 degrees in South Louisiana, look up at the sun and realize that's millions of miles away. And that's all because of how big it is and the nuclear fusion energy released from it. All right, we've got like nine, ten minutes or so left. Let's move into what causes global warming. What causes – I mean, obviously – the cause of climate change, as we discussed earlier, where the heating up of sorry, global warming is what causes climate change because there's yeah. you know it heats up different parts of the earth, so it's going to cause the, the currents to switch up, jet streams to switch up, different uh, weather patterns to switch up because you got high pressure, high temperature moving to low pressure, whatever, and that's going to cause lots of different you know switches up in the flows of mm-hmm. patterns that have been going on constantly, you know historically for a long time. But what is what is causing the Earth to heat up? Okay, this is where this is also under debate a lot, and I love how, of course, this is secondhand science, so y'all know what y'all are coming into. So some of these facts not be might not be a hundred percent true, but from what I remember from the little bit of environmental engineering classes I took at LSU for four years, <laughs> um, it's very debated right now. What causes more of the climate change? Vehicles and the exhaust from vehicles or factory farming? Factory Uh, farming is very bad. And there are statistics. And actually, I think, unfortunately, um, one of my heroes in life, Joe Rogan, he does misquote this a lot. And I wish there was a way to let him know. He quotes (laughs) a lot that factory farming is actually responsible for less than like 1%. He's talking about within the U.S., Unfortunately, most factory farming, most people don't know, happens outside of the U.S. We import a lot of our meat, a lot of our animals, a lot of our beef, cow, pork, all that. Right. It's, a lot of it's imported. And, of course, China and surprisingly Russia is responsible for a lot of putting that out there. So oh, wow. it's I one it of those the US. contests. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was the U.S. The US don't get me wrong. The U.S. does a lot. But – what it is is we also pollute a lot in other ways. So all I'm referring to, I'm not yeah. saying the U.S. isn't one of the 
the U.S. is one of the biggest contributors to factory farming. I want to clear that up. I'm saying the fact he referenced is it's responsible for less than 1%. The less than 1% is true only within the U.S., but worldwide, it is a good a chunk. Good, it good is chunk a chunk of it. It is very large chunk. Which it, that's a, it's such a such a touchy subject because, I mean, you have you've got it's so politicized. Cows it's and so you've got grain fed cows and like right. in one episode of Joe Rogan's podcast, they're talking about how grain fed is so bad for your health, and then like two seconds later, they're talking about oh, but grain fed, you're recycling all these grains, which mm-hmm. is helping reduce emissions, and right. who else is going to eat that? It's going to go to waste. But when you start talking about changing. The way you eat food, you people always jump to like you're taking away jobs from farmers, which yeah, has been that's another one, and it's super politicized because now, like all the politicians running for president, you constantly hear it: farming is the backbone of America, agriculture is the backbone yeah. of America. That's why it's so politicized because there's so much land that is dedicated to farming that it's like such a, a touchy subject when you start talking about taking away people's jobs and their livelihoods. Yeah, absolutely. That's why another part kind of, kind of a part of this, but the artificial producing of meat talking about like pretty much 3d printing meat and stuff. Right. Yeah. That stuff's cool. That, you know, that is interesting. I think, that's, but I think artificial meat is disgusting to think <laughs> about. Yeah. It's the same proteins I, and stuff. I but, think, if you're gonna, it if you're, sounds weird, but I think I would rather that than okay. For me personally, uh, I know obviously vegans and vegetarians say they do their part by not eating. You're still a very big part of it because factory farming grains that is, is almost it's so equally, processed. It's almost equally as terrible for your body, for the world, for the environment, for the ecosystem. The Impossible as Burger, like animals. to get that thing to taste like a burger. It's like so much what soy or uh, canola, oh, got all, all those. Oil. It's so processed. There's mm-hmm. no way that that is in any way, any way, shape, or form healthy for you. Have you seen the south, the new south season of South Park yet? No, I haven't. They have an episode. Um, let them eat goo. It's season twenty four, <laughs> episode whatever. Go watch it. It's South Park. It's funny, but they hit the nail on the head. It's Impossible Burger, Incredible Meat, Beyond Meat. All of it's put in. All it is if you're trying is to it's showing natural. you it is way more processed than right. most meat, like and chicken nuggets, cafeteria like, food. Yeah. If you're gonna, if you're trying to eat natural, just eat fruits and vegetables. Right. Eat, eat plants. Eat yeah. what's natural. And you don't need eat, to eat processed. I mean, stuff. nobody's eating. Burger King. If anyway, you want to so. eat meat, eat meat. You don't mm-hmm. need to eat fake meat. Like just eat meat. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's always hard because it's a uh, you have to find the balance. And that's the thing. I think a lot the nuance of it is all, every subject we've talked about last episode and this episode. Every single subject. It's there's uh, for me personally. What I really want the point to get across out of most of this is. There's both sides. I said it this episode. I said last episode. I'll say it a million times. But there's good, bad, and the middle. There's nuances. There's that gray area. And people always want to have one side or the other. They want to be, I'm either all vegan or fuck it, I'm going to eat meat every goddamn day. You can be in the middle. There's a way to find a middle and find, oh, I want to eat meat, but let's get grass-fed, grass-finished from an ideally more localized farm. Right. And then let's find a way to get vegetables that are sourced from not a major company, not going to Walmart to get 
just salad in a box or whatever it is. And don't get me wrong, I do that still. I probably have salad in a box in my apartment right now. But there's a way to do both. You can have some process. It's impossible for every human. There's 7 billion of us. There's physically not enough land for us to feed everybody based off of real meat. You're going to have to process some. You're going to have to add fillers to an extent. And it's an unfortunate part of life, but that's just where we're at now. But if you want to do your part or if you actually care at all about your health, you can find ways to eat a touch healthier, touch yeah. just be a little more conscious of it. Yeah. Now – We've kind of gone up the rails again. <laughs> Back <laughs> to what causes global warming. <laughs> oh my goodness. Back cows, to cows burping. That's what. Yeah, causes you got cows warming. burping, cows flatulating. We're gonna yes. we're gonna avoid the word fart. Wow. <laughs> we're gonna. I and mean, of course, ob- automotives. Automotives. Yeah. You've got carbon emissions and got, the power plants. Yeah, burning petrochemical coal. plants. You've got. Uh, welcome power to plants. Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, welcome to Cancer Alley. <laughs> the thing is. Though, also, another thing you have to realize is that they're putting off a lot of different chemicals. I mean, I think most of all, it's steam, yeah, which, that is, which is, of course, hot. It's, it's superheated. It's so saturated. It's no, like, there's no that's vapor in it, it at all. It's clouds. But let's ignore that because that's not really potent. It's just hot. Let's think about there's a lot of carbon. Everybody's trying to reduce their carbon footprint, but I think they should be more or less concerned with methane. Because yeah, methane yes, is yes, like yes, yes, 36 yes. times more potent than carbon. Mm-hmm. Carbon can much... I mean, it's a building block of life. It's much easier to break down carbon than it yeah. is to break down well, methane. Break down or combine with others. And there's uh, different mechanics and mechanical reactions through like organic chemistry for carbon. Carbon is the I most I forget active. that you studied environmental engineering. Yeah. yeah. So we, we've got actually an that I'm expert on smart. the topic of this. <laughs> I literally forget sometimes I'm actually kind of smart. See, I, I went to college for mechanical engineering. I got a degree in mechanical engineering, so mm. I, I've i got, as far as physics goes, I've got a pretty good understanding of that. Yeah. Jeffrey's done petroleum and... Yeah, I did petroleum for a year and a half and then environmental for th- the other. So he knows a lot a more about the whole climate yeah. stuff than me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that because I tend to forget a lot of it um, due to the fact that I live in a state where there are certain herbs that are illegal. Shout out to Colorado. <laughs> so my memory's not always the best. But um, I do want to touch back on what we were just talking about, how methane is so much more potent. And what the reasoning behind that is, is um, to simplify if you haven't taken any kind of advanced chemistry or organic chemistry, what we were saying is carbon is the most readily active compound. It will react with whatever it is, carbon and then carbon dioxide. It's not as reactive, but it is up there. But methane is a carbon molecule with four hydrogens. If you don't know what, if you don't know how organic chemistry works or base level chemistry. There is no free electrons within a methane. It's not wanting, it does not want to react to something. It has to be forced into it. So to clear methane out, you have to literally force it into a certain vacuum or pressurized environment or force burn uh, it off. high concentration or burn it off. Yeah. So what that happens is it causes a congestion almost in the atmosphere. And that's kind of where greenhouse gases come from. Methane is the biggest reason greenhouse gases are there 
because what it does is it literally becomes a big, not a cloud. It's not a physical cloud you can see, but imagine just an invisible cloud. Let's go with that. Just an right. invisible force field of methane that it's trapping everything, whether it be solar rays or trapping the carbon dioxide or the nitrogen into our atmosphere instead of letting it disperse as it should. And that's where the potency of methane really, really becomes detrimental. Yep. And <laughs> kind of like what we were talking about, I mean, carbon is much easily breaking down combined with mm-hmm. other molecules. Plants. Think about plants. I mean, of course, plants will absorb methane too, but that's usually through soil and through, uh, you know, um, manure. What what am I, what am I thinking of? Uh, fertilizers. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I was yes. like, I know that word. Better. I was like, I don't know why I can't think of that word, but carbon obviously is in the air and that's why planting more trees obviously helps a little bit it's not going to solve the problem it's just going to help reduce the the load a little bit but methane is it's not as widely you know reduced and naturally absorbed as carbon and like we said it's much more potent it's 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 uh i guess a bigger player in the the whole the whole deal of how we're trapping heat mm-hmm. in the atmosphere and reducing your carbon footprint absolutely helps, but I think methane is the bigger problem here. Yeah, and that's and that's a personal opinion. I mean, yeah, and, this right here again. is not a research thing. I mean, although it may be, this is just from <laughs> the research that I've done secondhand. I'm relaying to you that <laughs> that's how I feel is that methane's a bigger a bigger issue than than carbon. Yeah, and actually. While real quick, while on uh, on methane, just to prove kind of the how bad it is and the potency of it. Whenever you see in like movies, I know it happens in um, House of Cards when someone traps himself in a garage with the car, they turn the car on, crack the windows, and that's how they commit suicide. Carbon monoxide. Not a very smart way to do it at all. Oh, really? No, not a, uh, <laughs> if you're trying to commit suicide, a completely different thing. I don't <laughs> think that's the best way to do it, but uh, teach his own. <laughs> but um, methane, even though it's carbon monoxide poisoning and all that, methane is actually responsible for most of the negative effects that causes the poisoning. What happens is the methane is what knocks you out. When the methane is in very small concentration in exhaust. It's really not that prominent. It's that's why it's mostly carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide that comes from exhaust and a bunch of other things. Right. But methane is what gets into your blood to cause you to pass out to let the carbon dioxide take over the rest of everything and suffocate you. Oh, wow. So that just shows, even though it's in very little concentration, that's what causes the detriment whenever doing something that extreme. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah, climate change is a very controversial and complex topic yeah which we'll definitely we'll definitely be back on again yeah absolutely and there and just to wrap it up on a positive note (laughs) uh, please (laughs) there's there's all kinds of solutions that they're making now i mean elon musk is obviously one of the pioneers making electric cars cool you know there's so many i've saw like there's new models for all different brands now that are going completely electric and elon musk is making it profitable and other companies are taking note, basically. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there, that'll reduce carbon yeah. emissions from vehicles. 
Um, and then they're they're figuring out how to eliminate methane and um, carbon yeah, dioxide yeah. too. So that's yeah. It's I don't I don't have specifics on that, but they are they they've got lots of different ways that they're learning how to, I guess, harness the carbon out of the air right and turn it into other things. Which right. is, so it doesn't which destroy is the I mean, Yeah, yeah. They have they have a bunch of cool things. Um, Elon and many other people are working on like carbon traps in the air. And I know this episode we've kind of been all over the place, up and down, positive and negative. But n- not all of this has to be negative. I know it all yeah. sounds bad. It all sounds like, oh my god, are we all dying? <laughs> the world is resilient. The world has been around for four billion years. We've been around for nothing compared yeah. to that. We've been around thousand. Yeah. It, I want to say Homo sapiens is just under 50,000 right. years, which yep. is yep. a blink of the eye compared 50,000 to 4 billion. Right. So the, earth the world is resilient. Itself. Earth is resilient. And humans as well. We've survived a lot. A lot has been against us. I know we are responsible for some of the things that may be against us. Maybe not. Who knows? But it's not all negative. I mean, right. we can the easily turn things. this around. It might not be the happiest of times for a little bit, but... There's no, there's no reason to believe this is all the end of it. Right. There's no reason to think this is about the, to be the apocalypse. The science, it's they have a YouTube channel called the Sci Show. John and Hank Green do it. I mean, there's they they're the guys that make the uh, the short videos. Um, God, what's it called? About like all the different subjects, biology. Um, man, what's it called? I forgot. Anyway, I it's, it's, yeah, that sounds awesome. Though. Yeah, uh, crash course. The crash oh, course. That's it. Yeah, oh, everybody. Man. <laughs> right, everybody knows yeah. those videos. They they said that basically the for climate change to be completely like neutralized, we're gonna have to have uh, basically like short term sacrifice by the current generation. Which I think that coming up, our generation is already getting pretty educated about it. Mm-hmm. We'll have to have short term sacrifice for a long term sustainability of our species so i mean i think right now it's all over twitter social media which is where most of our generation is on i mean once we become adults and start putting our policies into place i think you know i mean we're already making steps towards the right direction absolutely i think the biggest thing to leave this episode with is to understand that regardless of what we do the biggest threat from climate change is to humanity itself because Mm -hmm. the earth obviously the humans will die off probably much quicker than a majority of the other species will Mm -hmm. and Uh, the earth as you've seen through evolution has survived many mass extinctions yeah you know different different types of life are going to survive but humans yeah. Once it gets to a certain point, it's going to be very difficult. As mass flooding happens, there's less land area. Diseases are going to spread faster. You know, we're not going to have as much area to live. Or things will get very bad very quick. The thing is, humans may go extinct. The rest of the world will continue going on. Right. Unfortunately, we're the most intelligent species this Earth has ever seen. And that we know of. That we know of. Except for the dolphins. Dolphins are pretty smart. That's another episode on its own. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, though, is we've made way too much progress to let our species diminish like this. Yeah. Yep. 
And with that, again, there's always good, there's always bad, but we can always make it better. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. All righty. Well, this has been segment two. (laughs) Yeah. Again, follow all of us on our social medias. This is Jeffrey Ortega with Mindless Ramblings. Follow my Twitter and Instagram at Jeff the Deaf. I also have at Mindless Ramblings Pod and um, JeffTheDeaf.com for anything else. Yeah. And then these two gracious hosts here, Zach Schwartzenberg and Gunnar Goodwin. If you don't follow them, I will find you and I will fight you. (laughs) Yeah. And you don't want to fight him because he watches MMA. Yes. (laughs) I watch it. (laughs) I don't practice it, but I watch it. (laughs) Yeah. All righty. Well, thanks, Jeffrey, for coming by. Um, Beautiful radio voice. Yeah. yeah. Um, Had a great time talking with you for these hours and i can't wait to have you back for christmas break i'm sure or something you know yeah <laughs> maybe on skype maybe on facetime who right knows? Who knows? yeah i'll be for back. another collab He'll be back. Back. we'll definitely have to have jeffrey back yeah thank yeah, you so. for listening to episode number i guess three yeah who knows? something like we'll that. figure it out <laughs>